Hey everybody, it's Cap, and I want to welcome you to Backstory Sessions. I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hey everyone, how are you? Uh, Matt, we are, I believe, at episode 33. I think, yes, this one is 33. Uh, you know, I feel like um, those like double numbers like that are lucky. Um, sure. You know, <laughs> they only happen, you know, like, <coughs> what? 11, like, 22. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like that. I mean, so this is the third, <laughs> basically third time that this would have happened. So I feel lucky. Right. You don't you don't feel anything for like episode twenty five or you know. Well, you know, every every number has its feel. But sure, um, sure. This just makes me feel like you know lucky. Right. So, okay. Let's just go with that because that's very positive feeling. Yes, and we're um, all about positivity. We are, <laughs> and I, today, you know, we are definitely about backstories. I cannot wait to introduce our guest and get into the backstories that he's going to tell us but you know we should probably like tell the listeners about the backstory that inspired this topic so and what would that uh, be cat <laughs> yes because i am the memory one of this thing you know, the brains of this outfit right yeah. you're the you know like just the beauty yeah, beauty. That, that's the word I was going to say. Sure. Uh, you know, I was going to say others too. But, um, you know, so to me, the backstory, uh, as I recall, is that one, our guest is from New York and you are as well. That's true. And, I am. Yeah. So, you know, there's something great already about that. And well, it depends on your perspective. I mean, some people, you know, <laughs> <laughs> have differing opinions about New York, but. Well, you know, that's the, the you I know of New York, uh, I'm going to say, represents it very well. And I think our guest will, too. Oh, so I'm going to say all great things for New York. All right. All right, and then, of course, the second thing is um, our guest has written a book, as we have, um, and his book is about stories from his life experiences. So, um, you know, is it coming back to you now how that relates to our guest today? Um, yeah, we have a book that's, well, we have the play Unstoppable, and... Uh... That was turned into a book, which is currently in edits, and um, <clears throat> I think I promised to get it out this year, so... Uh, you did. I did, right. yeah, I gotta get my button gear. But yeah, um, that's, you know, that book contains stories about things that happened to me, and, uh, you know, lessons learned and that sort of thing, um, and I think it'll... I think it'll be pretty interesting, I hope. <laughs> well, and one last thing that I think ties the two together um, is that these stories, as I understand it from his book, are lighthearted, funny. So uh, I'm taking that to be he's going to be a guest that's very entertaining and, uh, you know, very humorous. And you and I both appreciate uh, laughter, and you're very funny. 
as well. So uh, I think, you know, we have sufficient background um, for this episode and, and a lot of connections. Mm-hmm. I'd agree. All right. So I'm going to introduce our guests and see how accurate we were. No pressure, Vito. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> uh, well, I think most people that come from, from New York have to have a sense of humor. Uh, it develops growing up. Yeah. There's because there's so much from one extreme to the other, and uh, I think uh, so surviving and keeping your sanity uh, helps develop your sense of humor. I would well, agree. Matt, I don't, you know, I didn't know sanity <coughs> was a part of it. Like, you don't share everything here, but you know, there's enough still. Well, it dep- depends on what part of New York you come from. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I, I was, I, I. The- well, no, I was I, I was raised in Garrison Beach, which was next to Flatbush, <clears throat> for the first ten years, and then we moved to Queens and uh, you know, high school and so forth, service, et cetera, et cetera. But this whole thing for me has been a an incredible adventure. Um, I was I, I am a retired industrial research chemist with so many patents and so forth, all that kind of stuff, and it afforded me the opportunity to travel and giving lectures and so forth in Tokyo, Paris, London number of states and so forth and uh through the course of growing up and even in a part of research and so forth there's a lot a lot of humor believe it or not in in, in almost every aspect in my particular case which is what i focus on uh to a certain you almost have to do that to maintain the sanity at times but uh even starting at uh, uh like the first this whole thing started because I'd have uh, breakfast with some guys from church every Friday morning and we'd swap stories and, you know, and they said, you know, you got a lot of stories, Vito, you ought to write a book. I said, yeah, you know, it's not a bad idea. So I gave it a shot. And, you know, seven or eight months later, I finally had a book. And uh, the funny thing about it is, you know, you get excited when you have something that you've never done before. So I started sending some samples, some books out and I sent, I sent one to Ken Burns. Uh, and and uh, his his office sent me a really nice letter back saying they thought uh, it had some merit to even make a movie out of it. And I was working on a sequel at the time. And I said, well, the hell with the sequel. I'll, let me see what I can do with a screenplay. So I got a book on a screenplay, and I started writing a screen, and I wrote the screenplay. I just finished it. <clears throat> and and um, it's it's to me it was a lot of fun because I it's almost almost become self entertaining uh, remembering a lot of you know, from the past, from the time that you're a child and so forth, because it was, uh, it was growing up at that time, uh, it was, it was such an innocent time. Uh, you know, words like sex were never mentioned. Uh, you, you just, you know, the difference, you're seven or eight years old, <clears throat> 1948. You think the only difference between boys and girls is boys had short hair, wore long pants and girls had long hair and wore dresses. Girls never wore slacks in those days. And, and, and uh, you know, until I was, my mother took me with her to visit a friend, and, and uh, her friend had been, had, her, she had a daughter a year older than me, and she was just toweling her off uh, from a bath. She came through the kitchen door, and she said, be with you in a minute. And at that moment, she dropped the towel, and that was the first shock of my life. I <laughs> looked at the girl, and I looked at my mother, and I said, it's gone. <laughs> How is she going to go to the bathroom? She, 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 mom, it's gone. And my mother would say, oh, don't worry. I'll explain it to you when you get home. 
So uh, the explanation was, we get home, I said, okay, mom, what is it? She said, okay, boys have a penis, and if you don't have one, it's called a vagina. Uh, yeah, but what else, mom? And she said, the rest you'll understand as you get older. That was the explanation. <laughs> so I see, I see my friend Maddie outside, and we were going to get together to play a game of catch, and I tell him what I just seen. He says, that's not possible. How does she go to the bathroom? She's got to have one. I said, no, no. My mother said, no, you don't have one. It's called a vagina. He said, well, I'm going to go in and ask my mother. He says, let me get my baseball glove, but I'll ask her. And he comes back out. He says, you know, I asked my mom, what if she says, don't worry about it. You'll understand more when you get older. And that was the explanation. Then we went out and played catch. So that was the first, the first shock of my life. Now, you were how old when this happened? Eight. Eight years old. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was... that was quite a shock. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it, it, it was, it, 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 everything was sort of kept separate. You know, boys were boys, girls were girls. And, you know, we, you know, we just, uh, each one did their own thing. You know, boys played a lot of athletics. In those days, girls didn't do that much with athletics. And, and uh, so, you know, they were something to be tolerated with and so forth. Of course, as we got older, and I'm, I'm, I was going to parochial school at the time until the fifth grade when we moved, but uh, we used to talk about, you know, the girls in, in the Catholic school versus the girls in the public school. And, you know, the, the priest would always talk about, you know, sin, this, and you got to be careful. And, you know, God is always watching you and so forth. They had us so paranoid. We kept looking over our shoulder, even to go to the bathroom. We just said, where was he? You know, is he watching me now? <laughs> you know, they made you a little paranoid. Uh, and, and uh, but we realized that she, we good-looking girls were in the public school. We figured, you know, it may not be so bad to be that little bit bad, you know. <laughs> I think God might allow that just a little. Yeah. Excuse me. Well, one thing that um, so a quote that I saw, um, I think from you, it said that it's only when you're trying to document memories. Uh, mm -hmm. that they really, you really start to examine them and often the detail comes back uh, and it's remarkable. Uh, so did you, do you find that to be accurate as you're remembering all of these? Oh yeah. I, I, yeah. Even As a matter of fact, I can, I can give you the, uh, uh, we, we moved to Garrison Beach. My dad bought a house for $2,500, $500 down in a $2,000 mortgage. <clears throat> and, and I can give you the address even now It's 90 and Master Court, uh, Garrison Beach, Brooklyn, New York, and of course in those days they didn't have zip codes and so forth. But yeah, no, my memories I've 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 referred to as a I've got a very very good memory, and it goes with you know research and development formulas and all that kind of stuff. But uh, no, and and the thing is is if you become it becomes self entertaining, you start with one story. And as you're remembering it, it starts a lot of memories start coming back, and and as you're remembering, you start, you know, it it becomes funny, uh, and and it's and it's 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 when compared to what transpires today, oh my God, it's such a different world. Uh, uh, I could see it changing as I was growing up when I was in university and all the rest of it, but it was uh, it's a very different world. Uh, in those days. When my folks bought that house, all the neighbors pitched in, and this, you know, with no charge, you know, Jimmy the roofer put fixed the roof, uh, Frank the plumber fixed the fixed the plumbing, uh, you know, the carpenter fixed this and that, and within a week the house was was fantastic shape. 
and that was the neighborly thing to do. And that's what that's what they did. Uh, if you had a if every time there was an event, uh, which happened at least a half a dozen times a year, that would generate a block party, and all the women would come out with with the, with the food, for, you know, and everybody's making for supper and beer and wine. Nobody had cars, so you didn't have to worry about drinking so much because everybody could just walk back to their home. Uh, it, it was uh, truly, truly a different time. Uh, the, the, uh, just the, uh, I, I'll give you an example. Uh, one, one of the chapters in the book, towards the end, <clears throat> Jimmy the Fireman, he, uh, this made the daily news, by the way, 1947, 48. Uh, uh, there was a jumper. And uh, so the hook and ladder went up like maybe three stories. And that's Jimmy was the first one there. He scaled up the other two floors and jumps onto the fire skate where the guy is. And uh, his back is to the audience, and they're taking pictures, but they, nobody can really see that much. And and uh, all of a sudden, you saw the guy sag and fall over Jimmy's shoulder. So they lowered a harness from the roof, and they lowered him and the guy down. And the Daily News was there, and he's talking about, uh, what did you do? He says, well, I told him how much you know people loved him. You shouldn't do these kinds of things and so forth. He said, then, he said, well, what about that bruise on his face? He said, well, he said, I think he went up because, you know, we bounced against the wall a little bit. They said, oh, okay. The newspaper people go away and so forth, and everybody is at the block party. So after a few beers, everybody's asking Jimmy, hey, Jimmy, what really happened? He says, I got five kids. There's no way I'm not getting home tonight to see my five kids. As soon as I close, got close to that nut, he says, I just popped him. He says, he just fell over my shoulder. <laughs> and that was... <laughs> and that... <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, people, people were... I found people were straightforward, more honest. You know, one of the worst insults you could ever tell anyone was to call a liar. You know, I mean, that was that was a fist fight that you called somebody a liar in those days. Mm-hmm. You just, you know, it, it just didn't do that. And, and uh, you know, it, it was, everybody was, you know, everybody had different work and different jobs, but there was a mutual respect among all the, all the neighbors and so forth. And I understand that they actually, in that area, they still actually have, a block party occasionally. Interesting. So what was it like as a teenager in the 50s? Oh, t- 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 well, we had outside it. We had, uh, oh, oh <laughs> when, we, when we graduated a grade school to, to high school, and there was no middle school in those days. And, and in my case, we took... Uh, you, you know, you, you could take, I had to take a bus and a train to get to high school. But I, I, there were, there's a lot of things for kids to do. They had the Polish American uh, dances on, on Saturdays or, or Fridays. Uh, but the big one was the YMCA uh, uh, from three o'clock in the afternoon till about six. And they had all these tables set up like, like a nightclub. And, and they checkerboard the tablecloths that would go right down to the floor and they'd play music. And all of us teenagers would go there and you meet a girl and dance with her and so forth and so forth. Well, I, I met my friend, and this is the first time I'm, I'm 15, I think. And it's the first time I'm, I'm going to dance with a girl. And and uh, so I, said, I was telling my friends, I said, well, that girl over there is really cute. I, I'm going to ask her to dance. <clears throat> so I go over to her and I tell her my name. She tells me her name is Grace. And I said, would you like to dance? And she said, yes. And that was the second shock of my life. She stands up and she's exactly the same height as she was sitting down. <laughs> I had inadvertently 
asked the little person or a midget that we called him at the time to dance. Now, I'm trying to be polite and I'm keeping my elbow up against my side to make my arms look shorter, but she's really small. The top of her head was right where my belt buckle was. I go, this is going to be awkward. And, and it's a slow dance. I'm going, oh. Anyway, I can feel breath and so forth. And I look at my friends and they're hanging on to each other. They're laughing at me. And, and, and the song is finally over. She says, you want to dance again? I said, no, I have a part-time job. I got to go. And I see my friend, and they're, they're la- they can't stop laughing. I said, what's so funny? He says, you know, he says, your butt was out so far, you look like your body was a horizontal V. <laughs> you know, I, I, and, you know, but, you know, it, it, it was, you know, it, it was, it, the, the funny thing that was humorous about a, a lot of the stories, they came humorous with the passage of time. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of things, not funny at the time, but when you look back, especially the innocence of everything, you know, I mean, my gosh, uh, you know, no, none of us had a car. Nobody had a car. I think when I was 17, my, my folks, my fo- the first car we ever got was uh, 1951. My father got a 1939 Buick. It was like a tank. And, and, uh, that was, that was, that was how, you know, that was one car. Nobody had two cars in those days, you know, and, uh, hell, most, most of the people didn't even have a right where they lived. Uh, and, uh, so, you know, that, that became an incident. We had, um, I had two grandmothers, uh, my grandfather, my father's father was still alive, but my mother's father had died a long, long time ago. But, uh, we were all over there one Sunday for, 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 uh, for, for a dinner. And, uh, my father was concerned. It looked like it was going to start to snow. Uh, and, and he said, come on, let's go, let's go. I went, I want to get caught. You know, the Bell Parkway is, 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 uh, you know, as soon as snow starts, traffic stops. So after a while we said, okay, okay, fine. We so saw everybody piles into the car. We're in the car for about 10 minutes. And it's only like a half hour ride to our house. And after 10 minutes, it starts snowing and traffic stops. It's a dead, dead stop. <clears throat> my mother tells my father, says, Al, I have to go to the bathroom. He says, uh, Oh, there's nothing we can do about it. You know, the traffic, it stopped. She says, no, she's, but you know, he said, well, why didn't you go that before we leave, before we left? She said, well, I, I was fine then. She goes, oh. so the only thing we got here is this ashtray. Now, the ashtray in a 1939 Newark is, is pretty small. Uh, and uh, so my father says, my brother Joe and I are in the back bouncing around because nobody had seatbelts in those days anyway. <laughs> and uh, listen to my father say, okay, okay, listen, he says, I'm going to roll down the window and get rid of my cigar butts. But, you know, uh, you know, reluctantly, he gives my mother his ashtray. Well, <laughs> my brother John, in the back, we, my mother starts squirming around. She had to take a, a girdle and, and panties and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> we never saw our mother move like this. I mean, she was moving like she said, wow. We didn't realize our mother was so flexible. <laughs> And she finally, she then all of a sudden she moves forward and gets the ashtray. She's complaining a little bit about it. She tells me, she says, Sonny, when I say I'm ready, you roll down the window in the front, lean over the back, roll down, and I'll empty the ashtray. And when I, when I bring it back, then you roll up the window. Seven times we did that. <laughs> <laughs> and so 
And so we, and so we finally get home about two hours later, and my mother's really mad. But my, but my, as she's getting out of the car, my father's hold, hold on to that ashtray. Make sure you clean that out good, because I want to keep my cigar butts in there. <laughs> and my mother just mumbled something which we never heard her say before, and and and, and that was the incident of. Snow in the ashtray. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Well, when you gotta go, you gotta go. I guess. Um, yeah, it was just one of. Well, the option was to go outside or near, stay near a fender, which she wasn't going to do that. So. Hmm. Right. But, but it was, it was you know it was, an, it was still an innocent time you know things like that happened but they they were really funny. It's it's like. The second, uh, the second date I ever had was was uh, oh my gosh, I had a part time job with, with Louis the Butcher, which allowed me to on Saturdays. So you got seventy five cents an hour, and and you got tips, but you could get as much as make as much as nine or ten dollars in one day, uh, with the oh. tip, which was that was pretty good money. That was spending money. Sure. So I anyway, I I had I had met this girl and I had a date so. I had to take a bus, which was a 20-minute ride to where she lived. I met her, and I met her parents, and then I get her, and then I had to pay two bus fares to go to the movie theater. Then I had to pay two two tickets to the movie theater, and then she wanted popcorn and a soda, and I said, no, I don't want any because I'm counting my money. I'm down six bucks already, and I haven't even had a kiss. So I figured, now, in those days, teenagers would always go up into the balcony. It's the only place where you could kiss and make out because there was no other way, okay? Nobody had cars or anything, and that's where they used. That's where we all used to go. So I put my arm around her. <laughs> she says, "Don't touch me until I finish eating my popcorn." I figured, oh, yeah, yeah. So I gotta <laughs> gotta wait for her to finish a damn popcorn. <laughs> so another twenty minutes go by, and she finishes. Yeah. So then we start kissing and hugging, and after about ten minutes, she says, "I have to, I, I have to go to the washroom." She stands up. And that was another shock of my life. She stands up. One breast is where it's supposed to be, and the other one's down near her stomach. And I thought, holy cow, I'm falling in love with foam rubber. I can't get over this. And then she comes back, and she's everything's back the way it was. And, and I said, you know, there wasn't much of the date left after that, except after the movie. You know, it's hot chocolates, and then, you know, the two bus rides back and to her, and they get home. And I'm down like, I got like about $4 left out of my $15. I said, you know, it just doesn't pay. <laughs> but, but it wasn't that wasn't unusual either. You know, what I mean, that's the way it was. I and mean, when you had a date in those days, it was a date. You know, not like today. Today, dating means something different. But it was to go out, meet the girl, go, go someplace, and you know, have a chocolate or a movie and so forth. And that was it. It was all very, very innocent. Well, had you seen her before? Before, like, how did you meet her before this? Oh, oh, oh I, I had, I had, uh, so it, it was a Polish American uh, club where uh, we would congregate. You go from several different towns. It was, it was a really big place, and but of course, the only thing they played was polkas, because the church had an influence. And I felt that if you danced fast and hard, there could be no body touching or anything like that. It was like a workout. Everybody was drenched with sweat after about 15 minutes, <laughs> and, and there was no slow songs. Everything is, you know, it was incredible. That's where I actually met her, and then we 
she lived in another town. I said, okay, fine. And that's how we, that's how I wound up getting that. But she must have been wearing a different kind of underwear because nothing slipped yeah. that night. <laughs> There's a lesson out there, girls, to hear in that story. <laughs> so um, did you go on to meet someone that, you know, it did work out with? Excuse me? Like the, later. So these first two experiences haven't really been the best with dating. So um, uh-huh. did you get it right at some point? Uh, no, no. Uh, it was, uh, you know, I know, I know, I know what the rules are and so forth. But in, in, in high school, once we got to high school, every guy in my class, we, we used to hear about safe sex and so forth. So everybody had a condom and everybody put it in their wallet and it made a circle in your wallet. And we all had that same circle till the day we graduated high school. <laughs> it, 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 we just looked at it. We looked at each other. We said that we threw them all together and lit a fire. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, it just didn't happen. And not only that, even if you want to, there was no place for it to happen. You know, it just. There was, there was, the, let's put it this way, there was no opportunities. Mm. I'm sure there could have been times when we, we would have, but it just, it just didn't happen. <clears throat> we, we, you know, we, we had, uh, <laughs> we, we, we had, oh my gosh, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of, of, of uh, my, my, my actual oh, first date with, uh, uh, there was a, a there was a, a I don't know if I could set, cut it up. I'll give you a, a, another one. It was later on. I, I, I'm like a little older, like 17 and so forth. And and uh, uh, I finally got my driver's license in, a car, in my dad's car. At that time, then he had a station wagon. And we go to, I figured, the only place to go is a drive-in movie. And so I, I got this girl. I, I met her at church. And and uh, so she's all excited. I said, so I picked her up. I said, and, and what I had done is my mom had made brandied figs you take figs you keep them soaked in brandy for like a week and they get almost a they get size about half of the size of an apple each fig held about a half an ounce of brandy <laughs> i made a dozen of them and then i ate one of them so and then i had the other 11 in a jar because i i want to make sure they tasted good so we go i pick her up and we we go into the we move with the other she says aren't you going to get anything it's just i got something special you got to taste these i said i got I got brandied figs. She says, really? I says, yeah. I said, what, we're, we're park. We watch the movie. Here, what do you taste when she goes, oh, my God, these are delicious. She had a second one. By the third one now, now we're making out, okay? Everybody's super relaxed and we're making out. <laughs> <laughs> and she got carried away. She put her hand like inside her, her blouse. And she, she had some padded, a pad and a, and a bra. She rolls on the window and whips them out. And it bounces off another car. She says, I just feel so free with your figs. And and, <laughs> and you know, so we, I, I'd never made out like that before. And uh, it was a it was a heck of a of a driving movie. Anyway, a couple of, a couple a couple of weeks go by, and I'm feeling you know, I feel a little guilty and so forth. And I think I'll go to confession. I hadn't been to confession in about a year or something like that. And and so. <laughs> the, the, the sequence is 
It was in fact that it was the last time I was in, 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 with a priest or a Catholic church at the time. Uh, the guy said, "I said, bless me, Father. You know, in line." He says, "Yeah. Oh, what is it, my son? I'll, I remember this one like it's yesterday." I said, "Well, you know, I've got uh, I, I I've got a problem. I've got I can't. I know I've done something wrong, but I, I can't really feel remorse." He said, "Well, well it, just tell me what it is." I said, "Well, I met this girl, and we were, you know." little active and so forth he says oh well are you married I says, oh no 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 i'm not married i'm too young he says well that's a form of almost fornication i says i said well i don't know he says well are you sorry for your sins i said see i got a problem with that father he said yeah, what's the problem oh before they said well how many times i said i i don't know i don't know they always want to know how many times you did something so i, I said I, I said but i'm trying to feel remorse and i can't he says well, what do you mean i said well every time i remember the incident I said, I feel happy. <laughs> I, I, I'm real. I mean, I really feel glad. He said, well, you're not. You're supposed to feel remorse. I said, the more remorse I try to feel, the happier I get. I said, it's not working. I said, I have to come back another time when I feel more remorseful. And I got up and I walked out of the confession. <laughs> I'm halfway down the church at the steps, the steps of the church. <laughs> He's saying, where do you go? I said, I'm done. He said, what's your name? I'm going to excommunicate you. So I told him my name is John Brown. I figured I'd play it safe. <laughs> I hope he's not listening to the backstory sessions. Uh, I, 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 I doubt it. I doubt it. We had, we had, a, we, we used to have, oh my, some people tell me sign the phone. That'll end in a second. We had, um, there was, um, when I, when I was with, with, uh, I'll tell you a very funny story. It was uh, when I was with, doing a part-time job with Louis the Butcher. I had that, you know, if the old days they had that, uh, you know, the bike with the small wheel in the front and the big basket in the front of, on top of that, mm -hmm. that you made deliveries with. <clears throat> and it would hold, you know, a lot of bags, maybe, maybe the weight of maybe about 30 pounds. And uh, so the, this particular day, uh, Louis tells me, he says, okay, listen, it's a big order for Fanny. She's one of my best customers. Make sure you're there on time and so forth and so forth. So, okay, fine. So it's, Fanny's about only a quarter of a mile away. So I get there and, and I knock on the door and, and Fanny's in the second floor and she says, oh, go inside. The door's open. Just start unloading. Just I'll be down in a minute. So, okay. So I open up the door, get the screen door locked in and I go in there with one bag. And, and as I put down the first bag, Fanny comes down, and Fanny's like 70 years old or so forth. She's not quite all there. Her hair is all askew, and she's wearing a house just with big flowers on it, like with yellow and orange flowers all over it. And, and and it had like snaps that went like from where the shoulder was all, all, all the way down, and, and they were like on an angle. And she says, here, let me help you with this. So she bends down to pick up some of the things that I have put down, and it just opens up from just below the breast to uh, uh, about halfway down to a knee and out pops her hair. And I go, Oh my God. It was like, it was like uh, uh, she bends down as a mini Afro. She stands up and it disappears. We had six bags and she must've bent down and picked up more, maybe at least seven or eight times. And, and I go, oh my God, I can't wait to get the hell out of there. And she gave me a big tip. She gave me a quarter. I, I, 
I get back to Louis the Butcher. I says, you won't believe what I saw. So I, I describe it to him. He says, well, welcome to dealing with the public, Sonny. He says, it's a little different, isn't it? I says, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> But there was there was there was there's so many funny incidents, but you know the the thing is is that uh, it it was all, all in good fun. You know it was there was never and nothing was ever mean. No one was mean in those days. Uh, people try to you know, do the best they can with everybody else and so forth. Uh, you know we we just uh, it was just the way it was. Even when you got involved in you know research and development and so forth. Uh, there was a, there was a, like a, a, a you know, came like a, to do things. Uh, we had, uh, we had one experiment I was running with. I changed, my first, my first major, major chemical project was changing the molecular structure of cornstarch into a, uh, a different chemistry that where it could become a resin and applications for epoxies and coatings and kind of stuff. Anyway, to make a long story short, this was a project that went on for like a couple of years. Now we had we had built a reactor that took a temperature of a special oil that could go up to a thousand degrees, and we're running a reaction at a pressure of five thousand pounds per square inch or psi. The only problem with that was is that the reactor had a little pinhole which we never could find, and when the temperature got up really 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 hot, it would let a drop go down and hit the floor. That drop smelled exactly like dog poo. <laughs> and we lived with that for two days. We didn't realize after a while, you don't smell it anymore, but we all smelled the dog poo. <laughs> so, one, so, so anyway, after the second day, I said, you know, I, I said, look guys, I'm going to go find these cold cuts for us and some drinks and so forth. I say, yeah, great, so forth. So I go, <clears throat> so about a half a mile away, and, and I walk in the door, and three seconds maybe, and I hear some woman say, somebody's got some door poo on their shoe. And then everybody's looking at the bottom of their shoes in the store. And and, 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 and people say, oh, my God. And people are doing their shopping really quick just to get out of it. I must, I mean, I, I'm probably really reeked pretty bad. But I was oblivious to it. So uh, everybody's gone on the last one. I get to the cashier, and, she, and it's a guy says, God damn it. He says, it's you. He says, just, just get out of here. I said, well, I got to pay for this. He says, I don't care. Just get out of here. I can't stand it. So I told the guy, look, I said, we got the food for free. <laughs> and and uh, it was, uh, it, you know, it was really, really bad. But uh, <clears throat> things like that would happen. Hmm. So did you, uh, were you drafted to war or? No, in that in those days, everybody had to do the service, okay? You, you had a choice when you finished high school, either go right into the military and you can pick what branch of the service you wanted or go to university. Uh, if you went to university, then you would have to go into the service immediately after graduation. I decided to go and do the military service first. So, but, and, I, and I was in the Navy. And my, my first... Uh, you know, after boot camp, they, I, they, they assigned me to the CBs, which is the construction outfit. And uh, the first port of call, I was in there right after that. We went to, uh, we were shipped out to uh, North Africa, Morocco. We were there for like 10 months for doing all sorts of construction. And and uh, I got together with some of the other guys. 
uh, and, you know, playing instruments and so forth, because I was a classical accordionist for a little while. And uh, I, I was okay. I wasn't great, but I was okay. But uh, we we hooked up with this German band, wanted to just go back to Germany, and they had a, a car there, an old 51 Jag limousine. It was huge. And uh, we, so we all chipped in. We bought it for $800, and with that, we could load all the instruments in that. And we had contracts, besides a regular thing, we had a deal with the offices. We said, look, we'll play for your parties once a month. We need our weekend because that's when we were, that's when we played the clubs. So French, it was French Morocco and Spanish Morocco. We were in French Morocco, but the capital of Morocco at that time was Rabat, which, which is where our base was. So we played, well, we played uh, all the clubs, uh, the casinos, uh, Marrakesh, Casablanca, Tangiers, and we were called the Fab Four Plus One, and we wore turbans then when we played. The <laughs> turbans were made out of toilet paper and, and held together with scotch tape. <laughs> and, 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 and yeah, we were making we were making a lot of money. And and the thing is, is that you know you meet the, the seediest side of, of people in the, in those kind of situations. But uh, being a musician, nobody bothered you unless you wanted to be bothered. Nobody hass hassled you or anything like that. The one thing that was constant that we used to hear all the time is uh, was the, the the girls, whatever their profession happened to be, they all had the same complaint. You know what that was? What? Cold feet. They all complained of cold feet at night. Hmm. So I said, I'm going to get socks. So I sent money to my mother. I, I said, get me uh, as many dozen pairs of socks that you can, small size for girls. So my mother writes me back. She's getting worried. She says, what are you doing? I, I'm taking, I'm, she's going to church every night now that I'm in Africa. So my father says, your mother's spending a fortune with prayers and lighting candles. So anyway, she, so I finally get, I, I get all these socks and I'm making a lot of money. I'm making like two to three times when I'm spending on these wool socks. And that I sell, sold enough wool socks to pay for my first year of university. Wow. I mean, I mean I'm getting, you know, I'm money hand over foot. And, and, you know, the, the girls were happy that their feet were nice and warm. And their, their, their handlers or fences, whatever you want to call them, were happy because the girls didn't get tired as soon. And, and I was happy because I was making So, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was it was just a very, very different time. But, no, you know, they, they it was it was straightforward, clean, fun. You know, there was never any of this subterfuge or anything else. Everything was out in the open. And, you know, they knew... We, we we were the ones that, uh, you know, uh, we were the band, so to speak. We, we were playing at one club one time, and uh, there was a young guy, and we saw somebody giving him, like, a bit of a hard time. He was a young Arab guy. And, uh, of course, the only thing he was drinking was a soda and so forth. So we stopped playing, and we, we straightened the guys out that were giving him a hard time. And uh, we, we went back to playing, and at the end of the night, he thanked us for it, and he invited us to his home. We didn't know it at the time, but I, we said, well, you know, the guy spoke about five languages. And it turned out that he was uh, he was a medical student studying in Paris, and he was home for a couple of weeks. And uh, he said, look, I've got a home. I said, uh, I've got two. I've given one to my, he gave one home to his sister for a dowry. I understand it was like almost all, almost glass. And the parents had died in a plane crash two years earlier. Mm. So we get, we, we, we get to the, uh, we're all in the car. And he said, we, we get invited to his place. So this is for, for uh, 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 on a Sunday. So we, so we get there and we're in the car and we get out and he gave us specific instructions. 
and we think we're, we're at the right place. Now, it's just off of the shopping shopping district, uh, the Medina, or the Medina, which is the Arab shopping district. And we see this place, it's got like walls, like 14 feet high all the way around it. And there's these gigantic gates, or, or, or I should say doors that are like 12 feet high. And we think, oh, we'll knock on the door a little bit. And this little guy comes out and he says, are you the musicians? And we said, yeah. He said, okay. And he says to us, I keep in mind, we're all from New York. And the guy says, my master is waiting for you. And we're looking at each other. The guy calls his boss a master. We figured, oh, yeah, yeah. So we go, the doors open up. We walk through. This is like a cobblestone thing. And it splits. And in the middle of this path is, is like earth with, with palm trees and so forth. And it comes together. And then, then you're faced with a glass wall about 20 feet long. And, and the glass that was intersections where they would slide. And we're going, wow, I mean, this is wealth that was beyond anything we had ever seen. Mm. So we're all pretty excited about this whole thing. And so we, we, we go through this and there's like hundreds of pillows. He said, make yourself comfortable. And my master will be out in a moment. There he goes with master again. So sure enough, <laughs> his name is Mohammed. Mohammed comes out, he says, hiya guys. And you know, boom, boom, boom. And it was a nice time. We had, you know, all sorts of food and stuff like that. And he, uh, you know, we swapping stories. He was interested in where we came from and we were interested in his growing up and so forth. And and uh, it was just a nice night. He said, do you guys have to be back tonight? We said, no, we're good until the morning. He said, well, look, I've got a room for each one of you, so you, you can stay here tonight. Well, we get a room and the room is, each room is really opulent. But what they had there was something about, I had never seen another had anybody else. And I thought it was somewhat like, like a urinal and so forth because they turned the water on, but the water came up. I said, I figured, I said, I think I remember reading about this. I realized later on it was a bidet. <laughs> so in the morning, <laughs> we get together, we thank them and so forth. We're having a great time. And <laughs> the guys were saying, you know, he says, these Arab people, he said, they like their water really warm. He says, I couldn't get that water cold enough to drink. I just drank the warm water because I was thirsty. <laughs> I told, I, I, I told, he says, you know, and it comes up fast. He's like, I got it right in the face. He said, you got to really watch the pressure. So I, said, <laughs> I said, do you know what I was? He said, no, I told him what it was. He goes, oh, my God. Let's stop the car. I got to get my toothbrush again. He says, oh, my God. <laughs> wow. That was our experience. Well, we didn't. Nobody in Brooklyn had a bidet. Yeah. <laughs> None of us. We never even heard of it until over there. Uh, so, uh, are your stories mostly have been funny and lighthearted that you've told us. Um, is there any um, more somber or dark moments that you recall when in your book, or is it all uh, just meant to be lighthearted and funny? I say for the most part, it's pretty well lighthearted, uh, unique, humorous stories. Uh, there is there is one uh, that when I was uh, when we moved uh, when I when I graduated from from RIT, I had a great job up in Quebec and Montreal, and and uh, that's where I raised my my boys. For, we were up there for about 22 years, and I had the company up there. Then I sold out and so forth. But one of the interesting things about Quebec, and this is. This is this. I guess you could call this a samba story, in in a way, a little little strange. Uh, there's a church called Saint Joseph's Oratory, and it was built around 1904, 19 something like that, 
by this little guy. He's like four foot eleven. They called him Brother Andre. And Brother Andre was very committed to God. He wore, from what I read, he had, wore, wore a hair shirt and he'd only sleep in a hammock. He wanted to constantly suffer for God. But everybody liked Brother Andre, and he's raising money to get this thing. It's the plainest church you've ever been in. No statues, but all over the walls are crutches and wheelchairs and canes everywhere of people that were so supposedly cured. Now, the thing is, is that Brother Andre dies, okay? <clears throat> and what the church had done is they cut out his heart and he put it in a glass case. So the first thing you see when, when you go into this church is Brother Andre's heart, Jeez. which is a little bit somewhat macabre. But it's 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 one of those things. <clears throat> anyway, we were there, and it made the the headlines the following day were somebody stole Brother Andre's heart. <laughs> wow. and, and, and the police were on it. RCMP. Everybody's looking for Brother Andre's heart. Nobody could find it. <clears throat> Two years go by, and one day somebody comes by, and somebody had returned the heart. They had it on the steps of the church. <clears throat> so they made the headlines again. Brother Andre's heart is found again, you know, and then they put it in the place where it was, but this time they had steel bars around it so nobody could steal it again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> crazy. Just crazy stuff. But for the most part, <laughs> for the most part, uh, I, I, I focused on the humorous aspects. I mean, uh, I, you know, I, I wanted it to be a, a fun read. Uh, my intention was to bring a lot of smiles and laugh and, uh, and laugh to the people. And and uh, I found that uh, the older a person get, the louder they laughed. Uh, uh, my, my cardiologist said she was reading it and her father picked it up and started reading it on a holiday and he he couldn't stop laughing. And then he gave it to his wife and she couldn't stop laughing. She says, I, I just ordered another book because they won't give it back to me. So I don't know. He says, I don't know what my mother and father did before me. So, you know, it was that that kind of thing. Mm. Um, the the uh, the funny thing about it all is that uh, some of the people from church, when they when when they got the book, they'd look at you and say, I, you know, with a, a, a glint in on their eyes, say, I think I really know who you are now, because because they read the book, you know, <laughs> and sure. it, it, it's a kick. It's 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 been a lot a lot of fun. Uh, when when I uh, when, when I uh, wrote the uh, the screenplay. <clears throat> Uh, people thought enough of it. It just went out. Uh, uh, we just sent out a streamer, like a 30-second streamer, with a query letter, and went out to 30-plus movie producers, Netflix, and a bunch of other people. Uh, they think it has some uh, merit. In fact, one of the descriptions of it, it said it would be along the lines of uh, pre-American uh, graffiti. If you want to know what the people were like before that, this would be the book to do because it's, it, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's funny stuff. It's, you know, you can't believe people are that innocent, but you know, when you have no computers, you couldn't explain us. You couldn't explain the cell phone to somebody in the early fifties. Impossible. You know, right. when we, when we went to school, you know, we would, we, we, we would uh, come home. Everybody would go outside and play until supper time. One parent would yell dinner and everybody would, this home, you have your dinner, you do your homework, and maybe to the radio a little bit, and you're in the bed, and you're off, off the next day. I mean, that's the way it was, you know. Uh, and and uh, we made up our own games, you know. When when they uh, uh, we, we uh, they had cut down on time a, a weeping willow tree, 
my friends and I, we looked at the, the branches and we, we wound up making our own bow and arrows. There's a little little swamp area and we got the butcher twine for the, for the cord and uh, we got some reeds and it was a hot summer day and we got the tar from the street and then we found a block where there were some cars and we would we would steal the uh, caps for the where the air went in and put that on the tip and and those things would these things would go 100 yards <laughs> and we're eight years old making these things <clears throat> and, and uh you know and i remember okay I, i'll give you this <laughs> i remember i wanted to make a slingshot and uh, i asked my friends if they wanted to do it they said no they weren't interested in it i said okay well so I go back to where the tree had cut and I found a perfect, perfect, like little Y thing. And I had my little handsaw and I cut it. Now I needed rubber. So I'm going through where my mom kept the laundry and so forth. And I found her rubber girdle. And I, in the loudest whisper I could, did I, I asked my mother if she needed it. Of course she couldn't hear it. And and so I, I got the rubber girdle and I cut it up. I mean, my strips. And, and I got to tell you, boy, that, that thing would develop some velocity. But I didn't have the right kind of pouch. So I said, so I was telling my friend Matty, I says, you know, I can't get the right pouch for the right marble and stone. He says, you know, the nuns just finished their laundry. You know, Thursday's laundry day with the nuns. He says, I think, you know, they got these cups, you know, for their, with the part of their body. I said, they call them brassiers, I think. He says, yeah, 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 that's it. He says, well, they got a whole bunch of them on a line. He says, you may want find the right size there, but you got to shimmy up the, the, the pole. And grab it. So I'm on my way. I'm shimmying up the pole, and I see the right size. I said, that's perfect. So I yank it, and, and I get it off the line, but I yell it too hard, and, and I pull the whole wash line down. Yeah. And I'm taking off. I'm running like hell, man. I'm, I'm gone, okay? <laughs> so the next day, <laughs> the church, they said, uh, we would like to know who pulled the, you know, uh, the nuns washed down because they had to repeat their wash, and I'm not saying anything. And my friend Matty saying, it was you, wasn't it? I says, yeah. What are you going to do? I says, I'm not doing it. I says, I cut it in two already. I got a reserve pouch. I says, I'm not going to give that up. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, so they said, you know, and they never did find out. But, um, uh, okay, yeah, it, that just reminded me of one. You wanted a more somber moment? Sure. Okay. In about the fifth grade, fourth or fifth grade, okay, uh, in those days at Catholic school, you didn't change classes. One nun taught you all the, all the, all the, all the subjects, okay? Whatever nun you had for that year, that's the one that you had. You didn't have any others. So if you were bad, you would get a, hard, a hardwood ruler across the palm of your hands, five smacks on each hand. If you were a little na nastier than that, you'd get it across the knuckles. But if you really aggravated them, the nun would make you face the class and take the pointer and give it to you across your butt. And and and, and now that I was in that class with my friends. That was sister, still remember her name, Sister Josephine. So anyway, it was my turn. I forget. Oh, oh. I had uh, I I I had my desk and next to me was a girl and I dropped the pencil and I picked it up and I grabbed the I grabbed her skirt at the same time. She raises her hand and the sister says, "What is it?" She said, "Sonny just lifted up my skirt." I said, "Oh yeah, this is not good." <laughs> so I said, "But it's an accident." She's come up here, so she gets me on her hands and knees. She gets that point out, and the first one, I say, "Oh boy, that 
stung a little bit. The second one, she really wound up and hit me. I fell forward on my face a little bit, and I got a bloody nose. So I pick up, and all the kids are going, oh, you know. So Sister Josephine. But in the process, it snapped her pointer in half. So she says, go wash up your face and, and come back here. I come back. She said, here's my point. Go down to Mother Superior and she tell her you, you you broke my pointer and you want to, you want to, I have to have a new pointer. So, okay. So my nose is stopping the bleeding and, and I got her two pieces of pointer in my hand and I go down to Mother Superior and Mother Superior knew every kid's name. She sees me. She says, yes, anybody said, I said, uh, I broke Sister Josephine's pointer. She said, how'd you break it? I said, well, I, I was did something that was a misunderstanding, and she broke it across my butt. She said, I said, so it was my fault, because she didn't know how hard my butt was. She goes, oh, she's all right. She says, tell Joseph point to four next week. And try not to break any others. And and and, and, and I, I remember that one, because that second shot, to this day, I still remember, man, not, not, man, not damn thing really hurt. So uh, I'm with my friends afterwards, and I said, hey, uh, what was, I said, I wasn't going to let it hit me a third time. I said, I was going to grab it. I said, okay. I said, there's no way I was going to. I said, well, I said, you can't believe how much that hurt. <clears throat> but um, <laughs> it, it was uh, just one of those things. Oh, I, I, I got, huh? Of, of all the decades that you've experienced, if you could go back and um, be in one for um, a day, uh, which, where would you go? Which decade? Oh, what decade? Probably high school was a lot of fun. <clears throat> uh, I, I, I mean, it really, really was. I, but I'd say the, 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 the best, the most innocent and, and, and crazy funny times had to be from the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. I, I, I'll, I'll, I've got one story which was really one of my favorites. We had a when we moved to Queens, we had a, a, a neighbor that moved in also, and the, the kid's name was Jerry Logan. And and I I saw him one morning, and they just moved in, and I said hi, and he said ha 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 hi. My name is Jerry Logan, and I got to to Tourette's. I said God, that's got to be tough. I said, he said, he said, when I know people better, I, I, it's, it's, it's not as bad. God damn it, you know. So, he, I says, what school are you going to go to? He says, I, I, I'm going to PS one thirty, one thirty eight. I said, well, that's my school. See, I'm, and Mrs. this class. I said, that's my class. This we'll go together. He says, oh, okay. <clears throat> so that's not Monday. I'm with Jerry, and we're going to the class, and I tell the teacher, I said, this is uh, Jerry Logan. She says, yes, I'm expecting him. <clears throat> I said, told her she has Tourette's. And she says, I, I, I understand. She says, uh, Jerry, this, this tells the class, this is Jerry Logan. He's got a problem, but, you know, we'll work with it. And Jerry, welcome to the class. And he said, where's my chair, goddammit? And she said, at the back of the class. She said, oh, okay. Then she says, now for the assignment that you people were supposed to complete, he raises his hand right away. He says, I don't have any goddamn assignment. I just started. She says, no, 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 it's okay. You're excused. You're excused. So 
Jerry was smart, though. And every time there was a question that the teacher would answer, Jerry would have his hand raised. <clears throat> she would never call him. <clears throat> she never called him. Until one day, Jerry raised his hand, and no one else raised their hand. And it had to do with the Revolutionary War and the Boston Tea Party. So she sees Jerry raising his hand. She feels, oh, I'm stuck. Because she knows when Jerry answers a question, it's going to take 10 minutes at least. Just, okay, Jerry, do you know about the, the, the Boston Tea Party? And Jerry stands up. And he's got a smile on his face from ear to ear. He's saying, I, I know a lot about the, the God, 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 goddamn party and the Boston Tea Party because it was a pretty big party. <laughs> And he says, and 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 uh, and, and the, the 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 patriots all dressed up uh, as as, as in, in, in Indians, and there was a lot, 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 lot of them because there was a lot of good, good, good goddamn tea. So, 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 and, and so he went on, and, and and then he finally finished. He says, "That's great, Jerry." So on a way home from school, we're working home from school. I said, I said, man, I said, you really had the class going. I mean, everybody was hysterical, couldn't stop laughing. <clears throat> and he's laughing. He says, I, I, I put it on a little th 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 thick. I said, well, why'd you do that? He says, when's the last time you had a chance to stay son of a bitch in a class? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, funny. But there were a lot, there was a lot of uh, crazy stuff like that. Uh, I'm curious. Uh, um, so you grew up in Queens, right? And yeah, I was uh, ten, 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 around ten years old. I, we moved to Queens, Rosedale, just before um, the next town was Valley Stream, which was Nassau County. Right. Yeah. And and uh, th then I was in public school because they didn't have a Catholic school. So did you? And, uh, did... Uh, you know, from there to, to high school, and then um, uh, then 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 the service and. Uh, then I, I never went back. It was the service, and then Rochester, and, and uh, <clears throat> then the, the school up. Uh, then a, an opportunity up in Quebec, yeah. and research and so forth. And then had a company, sold it, uh, had a contract down in Sarasota, Florida, for about three years. And uh, who a mutual friend uh, introduced me to this uh, this guy who was a he was a retired uh, ex fighter pilot or Air Force fighter pilot. Mm -hmm. We got together on some, you know, on, on doing some some research and development, which was uh, <clears throat> had to do with uh, removing uh, oil from the oil sands and things of that nature. Right. Some new unique technology, and 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 that's uh, that's when I I ended my uh, chemical career, and then then this whole thing started with the with the book and so forth. So, so when you but, were when you were a kid, did you like you lived in Queens, but did you like go to other places? Like, did you know? Were you ever like in Manhattan or you know traveling oh, yeah. around the city and stuff? Not, no, not that much. I mean, you know, it was it was pretty cheap to go to. Yeah. But, you know, you go go Manhattan. You still had to take a bus and a train. Uh, but uh, no, not not really that much. Uh, first of all, it, it always took money, and we never really had a lot of money. Right. Uh, you know, it, it was. It, you may do played a lot of sports. We played a lot of sports. We had uh, I was on a, a baseball team <clears throat> called the Trojans, mm -hmm. and and uh, like when I was a teenager, and and <laughs> and and it, we didn't realize when it was called the Trojans, they figured it was a, a you know after a famous Greek state or Greek 
Metropolis, or whatever you want right, to call yeah, it. Yeah. And of course, everybody started saying, "How's it feel to have a have a team named after a condom?" <laughs> we didn't really, you know, and, and 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 you know, so they would say, you know, "Oh, hey, you, what are you going to do with the with your name and so forth?" Hey, hey, if you put a condom on your bat, does it make it harder? <laughs> and so forth, you know. <laughs> you know, it was. Uh, it was, you know, that kind of kind of thing. But you know, we played a lot of baseball. Yeah. Played a lot of. I, I, the only, primarily time that I really got into the city was when I played. Uh, I played a lot of uh, played, played a lot of handball. I was really pretty good, and I won the Manhattan City Championships in in handball when I was about sixteen. Wow. But I was outside of that, you know, and you didn't get anything for it in those days. You know, yeah. you get a little cup or something. It was nothing. Right. Yeah. But. Uh, you know, it, it was, we played, we played, we were scouted by the Giants, New York Giants, Yankees, and Dodgers. And, uh, you know, some of the guys wound up with, you know, Class C ball and so forth. Mm. But, you know, it, there was no really no money in it in those days. You had Gil Hodges that, that uh, he was a big, big player. Mm-hmm. But heck, he had a part-time job. The offseason hit most of those guys, outside of the big names that you know, most of those guys in the offseason had part-time jobs. Yeah. Nothing like today. <clears throat> so, uh, how long has your book been out? It's been about seven or eight months now. Uh, I, 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 the problem with that is that I, a lot of it goes through Amazon, and it takes me like three months before you find out what what you got with Amazon. Yeah. I uh, yeah. I, I've, I've never experienced anything like that. You know, it's yeah. okay for you. To, you know, they they take your money pretty fast, but they don't pay it out that, that fast. <laughs> yeah. but, from what, but from what I understand, in the publishing business, uh, it's the way it was set up when they just had the, the big publishing companies. But, you know, you, you got 90 days before you even find out what you got. Right. Yeah. But I've done a number of podcasts now and, and a couple of TV things. Uh, and, and the reviews I've gotten are really been really terrific. It's It's been a lot of fun. But uh, I, I think... I think, uh, and and I've, I've got a I've got a great uh, group of people I'm working with, Anthony Morrow Communications, and uh, they think we might have some real legs for a, a movie. When 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 I got that thing from Ken Burns, and I kept the letter and the envelope, right? Uh, and you know, it was really surprising. As a matter of fact, I even got I got a phone call one day from Jay Leno's secretary, no, telling wow. me that. Yeah, he telling me that she said uh, Mr. Leno only d- does his own own stuff, but he just uh, he he liked what you said, and he's told me to tell you that just stick with it. All you need is one guy to get that thing going. Yeah, all yeah. you need is one. Just keep plugging. So that's awesome. Sure. So you know, it's 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 been that kind of thing, but it's been uh, so been who, a lot of fun. Who do you want to play you in the movie? Oh my gosh, uh, I don't know. My my idea of anything in a movie from that I had when I was a kid is I always wanted to be the baddest bad guy you could ever think of in a western. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I, I I don't know. I think somebody that has, has I think I think you'd have to if it's a kid, you'd have to have expressions, especially the look of shock on things when you see things for the first time. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know. Down to this guy that you know you're continually surprised by, by life. Yeah. You know, I mean, we we were never, you you would never. I I have a cousin, she's she's much older than me. She's like she's 85 and 
we were talking about things one time. She says, she says, you know, Sonny, she said, every time I went on a date, my mother said, make sure, like, she says, not that we would do anything, but my mother always insisted that I have to have clean underwear in case I got hit by a bus. Right. Yeah. Said, what the hell do you think your underwear is going to look like if you got hit by a bus? <laughs> <laughs> and then she told me, which really surprised me. Now, she, she's had some tragedy in her life. I mean, she had three children, two boys and a girl. And both boys were killed in accidents in, within a year of mm -hmm. each other. Wow. One was 20 and one was 19. And, and, uh, but she's, you know, she's, she's things at the church and stuff like that. She said, I said, well, when you married Grace, I said, what was it like? She says, I can't tell you the surprises that I had on my wedding night. I had no idea <laughs> <laughs> to give you some idea of the attitude in those days. Yeah. I said, but you overcame it. She said, oh, yeah, I overcame it. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. All right. So uh, people want to get in touch with you. What's the best way for them to do that? Uh, well, uh, well you got my, my phone number is you got that. And also I've got a website, which is uh, it's called it began in Brooklyn dot com. OK. Uh... And. Uh, Go ahead. Oh no, and and uh, you know, we, we, I, I, I recommend people deal with the with the publisher, which is Book Baby, and all that information is on the is on the website. You'll save a little bit of money on it. Okay, cool. And, and you'll also get the book faster as well. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that that's probably the easiest way. Uh, it's it's kind of a neat site. Uh, it's it's you'll see it's uh, it's got it's it's a blue thing and it's got circle of of, of, of of like one there's a meatball and each there's a, a particular just a, a line drawing of four characters uh which relate to a chapter okay. like uh like there's a meatball controversy believe it or not you, you do have we had a meatball controversy <laughs> what was that i gotta hear this thing you want me to tell you about the meatball controversy sure uh yeah Okay. My father loved his mother's meatballs. Okay. Nobody can make meatballs as good as my, 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 my father's mother, right. who we always call fat mama. That was her name. And we didn't know her name until she died. Then we heard her real name. <laughs> and my mother always tried to duplicate her meatballs. And my father asked, he said, why don't you just ask my mother for the recipe? And my mother said, I did. And she said, no, she wasn't going to give me the recipe because it was her excuse. That's what made you visit her was her meatballs. Yeah. So one day, one day my mother comes out, it's, it's, it's a Sunday dinner, and my mother's very proud. She spent a lot of time with special sauce. She made, she got a, a special recipe, and she said, you know, these are meat, meatballs. She says, what do you think? So we all chowing down, and we're saying, boy, these are really, really good. And my mother's waiting for my father to say something. He said, what do you think, Al? He said, he says, well, they're good, but he says, uh, Oh, they're really good. She says, yeah, but what? He says, don't you think they're maybe just a little bit chewy? Worst thing you could have said. <laughs> My mother takes up the ladle with these three meatballs in it. He says, oh, really? They're chewy? She says, well, maybe you got to just work them a little bit. And she flings the meatballs up against the wall right behind my father's head, and they splatter everywhere, okay? My brother Joe and I, we thought the meatballs were great. Well... 
to make a long story short, that was the last time we ever had meatballs, okay? <laughs> After that, every Thursday, he would go to his mother's for meatballs. Now, <laughs> what happened is time goes by, and he, we're used to it, and my, my dad comes home one Thursday night, and he's kind of full. He said, I think I ate too many meatballs. Son, get me my VO, which was his preferred whiskey right. and water, and, and, and uh, I'm going to have some. And and he uh, he uh, gets it and, and he's getting a little tired. He says, "I'm going to go to bed." He says, uh, "It's like nine o'clock, but I'm full." Two o'clock in the morning. There's like a loud explosion. Okay. It was my father having a gas attack. <laughs> I woke up my brother and I. I said, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> now my grandmother, who had her own little bedroom down the hall, she gets all nervous. She's still an Italian, and she's got her. What she, she she brought her peapot from the old country, okay? And she has a crucifix in the other hand. She opens up the door and she's yelling, it's an earthquake, it's an earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> I hear my mother say, no, Ma, it's okay, it's just Al. Oh, she, my, my grandmother say, are you still in bed? She says, yeah, he, his, his butt was to aim towards the window. We're all okay. My brother Joe and I went, we can't stop laughing. We said, my God, he said, they says, I wonder what. If that's an explosion, I wonder what it's like. Can you imagine what a, a, a volcano was like in Italy? So, yeah, but it's not going to smell like that. that was the like, I'm giving a real short version of it, but it was. Um, it, I said, uh, that's funny. <laughs> anyway. All right, Kat. So, Kat, anything else? Well, I just want to say thank you for being our guest today and sharing your um, really funny stories with us. And. Again, the, the book is it began in Brooklyn, and so um, you know if you're searching and uh, his name, uh, Vito Altavilla, and um, it's a, it's a really interesting story and a look back at a time, <laughs> um, you know that maybe is forgotten or seems foreign to us now. So uh, it's just really interesting to to hear the stories. Um, and I'm sure they'll bring back a lot of memories of uh, first dances and things like that uh, hmm. for all of us. So uh, I appreciate you sharing and, and being our guest today. I've enjoyed it. Well, thank you for the opportunity. And, and uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, if you go to Brooklyn.com is the website. You know, uh, it, it's a, you'll have fun reading the book. It's, it's, it's a lot of laughs. We'll, we'll Great. Definitely have to... <laughs> Get a copy of that and check it out. Um, yeah, and, and thank you. Thank you both. You're welcome. We, we appreciate you being here. Okay. Uh, so, as as always, if you have any questions, concerns, comments, or criticisms, please send the criticisms to Kat, because she loves those things, uh, at <laughs> iWritePlays at Outlook.com, or you can write to me if you love the episode and have nice things to say. I'll gladly read those, and... We can forward any questions to Vito if you don't write him directly. Um, you can write to me at backstorysessions at gmail.com or matt at level11ventures.com. And as always, we thank you for listening and take care. Thank you.